handle the truth. Bingo! You are now listening to the facts. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Straight Facts, a sports show that educates and entertains. I'm Jules Schmitz, accompanied by James Jackson and Jake Galley. This past week in sports, everyone, the U.S. men win their Gold Cup opener 4-0 over Guyana. U.S. women beat Chile 3-0 in their second World Cup game. The Blues beat the Bruins in Game 7 to win the Stanley Cup final. Gary Woodland holds off Brooks Kepka to win the U.S. Open, his first ever major tournament. All right, and guys, before we get into the NBA, we have Eagles insider Dave Spadaro with us. Dave, how you doing today? I'm doing fine. How are you? Thanks for having me on the show. No problem. Thank you for joining us today. We're really excited for this interview and for some Eagles football in the fall. Absolutely. That, that's the weird thing. It's, it's my, you know, since the minicamp ended, now there's this really long period of downtime where everybody catches their breath and gets ready for training camp and beyond. So as excited as I am for what's about to happen in 2019 i appreciate a little bit of rest and relaxation and right. just kind of getting getting ready for for a, what should be a very interesting season mm-hmm. well exciting things can even happen in that downtime dave yeah speaking of the eagles re-upped quarterback carson went to a four-year 128 million dollar contract extension with uh, all things considered possibly the most guaranteed money ever uh, Dave, what made the team comfortable, considering all of Wentz's injuries in the past, comfortable with giving him this contract? Yeah, I mean, there's no question that the Eagles understand that there's a risk, of course, with every player, the injury risk. And the fact that Carson's been injured the last two seasons obviously adds to that, that risk. But I think that the way that he's worked since he's become an Eagle, the way he's worked since he's been injured, his skills are very obvious to everyone. I mean, when he's healthy... He's one of the top quarterbacks in the league. Um, I just feel like the Eagles, look, they, they see a, a, the, that the franchise quarterback, and they say it over and over and over again, franchise quarterback, the most important position in all of sports, they had a chance to, to get a deal done that works both for Carson with his guaranteed money with the four years of security, and it also works for the team uh, as quarterback more up. Not a bad time to get Carson Wentz under a deal so you know the way the Eagles obviously get a chance to see Carson for four more years plus um it's through 2024 and we all just keep our fingers crossed that that he's healthy and builds upon what we saw in the spring was a very positive performance Mm. yeah absolutely and speaking of from last year to this year I saw some clips of him working without a brace how has he looked now on that knee yeah, good good point. Um, he looks freer. He looks like he, he's getting his legs under him more. Um, he's following through mechanically more. He's got zip on the football. Mm. He's very mobile, uh, powerful with the legs, more explosive. I mean, I give him a lot of credit for last year and coming back and getting into the lineup three games into the season. It was a remarkable accomplishment. Mm-hmm. But the truth is that an ACL generally takes two years to come back from and all the way back. And I think just from a physical standpoint, Carson looked more ready to go now than he, than he did last year. I mean, it was very much a noticeable difference in the spring physically than it was the Carson Wentz in the regular season last year. All right. And Dave, that, that's Carson Wentz on the field, but we know that there's two sides to this thing, right? That's how he is on the field and off the field. 
And off the field last season, Joe Santillaquito published an article saying how many anonymous Eagles described Carson Wentz as maybe a bad leader or can be egotistical at times. Even Wentz himself admitted that there were things about his character that he may need to change and may need to adjust. From being right there at Eagles training camp and minicamp, are any of these changes really evident to you yet? If there were any changes that you saw that he needed to make? Yeah, I mean, look, the the article was uh, a bit of a jarring thing, and mm-hmm. You know, you dispute some of the anonymous sources, but I think Carson really handled it well and said, look, I mean, if people feel that way, then I really need to look at myself. I think last year he was wrapped up in his rehab. Mm. I've seen him this year be be much more relaxed, much more social with everybody. I mean, I have a really good relationship with Carson. I think the world of him, I think last year, look, everybody – coming off the Super Bowl, him trying to rehab, you know, it was a crazy, crazy time. Mm. And maybe maybe in his mind he got too into the rehab and kind of didn't spend as much time with his teammates as he wanted to. And I I give Carson a lot of credit for, with that article and the, and the criticisms that he received, looking at himself and saying, and standing up and saying, look, I'm not, I'm not above criticism and we all need to get better and I'm going to make myself better. And I've really seen... Carson much more, for example, you know, lunchtime with the teammates, hanging out with the Mm. guys in the locker room, more personality with the media. You know, he's just been a different kind of quarterback. Maybe it's just more relaxed, more relaxed. Uh, Maybe he's healthy. Maybe he doesn't feel the pressure. I, I always kind of felt last year that he just felt so much pressure on every throw that right. he had to make big plays all the time mm. and win the games by himself. And the truth is, he really doesn't need to do that. And, right. And I think I think he feels like the Eagles did a good job surrounding him in the offseason, and he's been really sharp and, and affable and relaxed in the offseason here. Right. That's one thing I have to give him credit for. For a young quarterback, he's handled all of that tremendously well. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, it's weird. He's really not that young anymore. He's yeah, in his true. fourth season, I mean, he's he's seen it all. It's been a it's been a rough road for Carson Wentz with two injuries and and coming back from that and having the backup quarterback win the Super Bowl. And while everybody was happy, like you know, he wanted to be out there for the team and he wasn't. And I think Carson's the kind of guy who just puts pressure on himself when something like that goes down. Very true. No doubt. Absolutely. Dave, something I'm interested in is the Eagles cap situation. Howie Roseman did a great job at clearing some space, going from being about 19 mil over the cap to more than 24 million under it. How did he make this happen? It's a mastermind move right there. Yeah, I mean, that, that, the uh, it's funny because this week on my podcast, the Eagles Live podcast, I have Jake Rosenberg, who's the vice president of football administration, and we talked about that. And you know, the salary cap is very fluid. It's a, a, a movable part kind of thing. There's ways to move the dollars around to readjust, whether it's a reporting bonus, a workout bonus, a salary bonus, a, a playing bonus that affects the cap. And Eagles are masters at that. They've really spent a lot of cash, which is what it kind of comes down to. They, they've been, they were so much more aggressive in the offseason than I felt they had the room to be with the cap but you know they get to go ahead from jeffrey to spend the money and they move the dollars around and they end up trading for deshaun jackson and signing malik jackson and bringing back vinnie curry and having a chance to get zach brown late in free agency which i think will pay really nice dividends for them so i think it's just a matter of really understanding the cap understanding the nuances of moving the dollars around and then 
having the authority from the owner to spend the dollars, and the Eagles have never been shy about spending those dollars. And Dave, so uh, an important part of the Eagles' front office actually just joined the Jets' front office, Joe Douglas. Uh, can you talk about what role he played uh, on the, in, in this front office? I think the most important thing he played was he organized the scouting department and the way they grade players. And, um, you know, it was quite a bit different than what they had done before. Uh, Joe did a great job with his scouts, hiring a great staff, working with them. And now that he's gone, you know, Andy Weidel steps into the role. They can stay the same in terms of how they grade the players, which is a lot of teams use numbers or they use colors or they use different kind of football principles to grade their players. The Eagles are able to stay the same now. Uh, We always show the best luck. It was very – it was never going to be a matter of if with Joe Douglas. It was going to be a matter of when. Mm -hmm. And so he got his chance to go up to the Jets and – you know, good for him, and hopefully he'll do a great job up there. And he leaves the Eagles with a very strong roster and a and a good situation with their personnel evaluation staff. Yeah, it was kind of like when Frank Reich left, right? The Eagles kind of say, you know, he deserves to to go get his his shot at at a head coaching job. So it kind of seems that they handled this one in the the same way they handled I the mean, Frank Reich leaving. Yeah, like if you're if you're good NFL teams are going to come poach your guys, and if you're mm. not ready for that, then you're gonna you're gonna pay the price. And I mean, the Eagles have learned that through the years how he's been there long enough from the Andy Reid days to see how that coaching staff and the personnel department lost some key people over the years. And you got to be, you have to groom people to replace the ones you lose. And I think the Eagles feel good about their situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, so I've seen a lot of clips online, some little blurbs online about guys who have looked impressive so far in minicamp. To your eye, who has been some of the most impressive guys? Um, I kind of like to reserve that because I, I think that the, Impressive players in spring who don't wear pads, the, the equation changes so much. I mean, True. I, I would say out of the rookies, though, like out of the draft picks, probably J.J. Ortega-Whiteside looks mm-hmm. the most ready. Um, I really, obviously, I think Deshaun Jackson, when you just look at him and say, okay, can he run? Check. Can he <laughs> track the football better than anybody in the NFL? I mean, that's a really key, key player. I thought Vinnie Curry looked springy and really happy to be back and I think that's a good sign. I thought Andrews and Dejo looked like the kind of third safety that the mm. Eagles have been looking for for the last few years. And But it's so hard. Defensive guys, they're not able to hit anybody. Right. But a defensive player. Uh, otherwise, I would say very much a work in progress and the good news is Eagles got nobody hurt in the spring. They can go into the, into the summer, hopefully, with the idea that everyone's going to be healthy and, and ready to go. Gotcha. That's right. And and Dave, I'm, I'm going to level with you here. Um, I'm a Buccaneers fan, not much of an Eagles fan. And you hit on two of my previous Buccaneers just now, Vinny Curry and Deshaun Jackson, uh, bringing them back to the city of Philadelphia. So we're going to focus on Deshaun Jackson, who was one of my favorite Buccaneers in the past two years. So describe the relationship that he's been developing with not only Carson Wentz as quarterback, but with the entire team as a whole. Yeah, I mean, Carson, I mean, uh, Deshaun was, when he left, a young really precocious guy and when the offseason program came around Deshaun wasn't around very much Mm. but this spring he's been here virtually every day he's done a wonderful job Uh, I think he's got great chemistry he's very excited to be back glad to be back happy in this offense big time quarterback to get him the ball down the field and I think he'll be utilized very well works well with the rest of his wide receivers and the key for Deshaun is understanding that 
there are going to be times when he's not going to get targeted 11, 12 times a game. He's going to be a second or third option. And I think he understands that uh, because Alshon Jeffrey's going to get his and Zach Ertz is going to get his and Aguilar is going to get his and, and uh, Dallas Goddard is going to get his. So I just think Sean Jackson is just a fantastic fit. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all I can ask is that you guys you guys treat my man's right over here in Philadelphia. The fact that, that Chip Kelly let him go was just uh, such a, an error in judgment. Uh, and the Eagles have been paying for it every time they played number 11 mm-hmm. in Washington and Tampa. He was killing the Eagles. He changed the way the Eagles played defense yeah. and, and really showed how much value that kind of speed has for an offense yeah we'll sure miss it in tampa that's for sure dave can you give us any updates on how the malcolm jenkins contract is going what exactly really even needs to happen on both sides to get it done yeah i I don't know what i mean i'm glad that malcolm was in i i think it's a i think the eagles met with him discussed uh, the situation i don't know what's going to happen if a new deal will be agreed to um, it's part of the business of football, and Malcolm has been a great player, a valuable guy, as durable as can be, Pro Bowl safety. Everybody values his leadership in the locker room, but I really can't speak to his uh, a new deal. I, don't, I really don't know what's going on behind the scenes with Malcolm, but he certainly seemed like he was, you know, taking a business stance in the spring, but understood how important it was to be there in the, in the uh, mandatory minicamp and look good on the field and. You know, we'll see what happens in a few weeks when he when he reports back in late July. Right. And he, and Dave, he did come out himself and say that he believes that he's outplayed the current contract that he's on right now. Would you would you agree with those words that that Malcolm has has tested testified I mean, I, to? I got, you know, it 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 he signed the deal what 3 years ago. Right. Uh, it was a great deal then. The market changes. I think every single player can say that. Um I try not to get into the business of of the players and their contracts. Right. I hope they all get what they want, but I think the Eagles signed into a fair deal at the time, and it's just that the market escalation has been extremely aggressive. Uh, but you can't play, pay players for what they've done. You pay players for what they are and what they're going to be. So I think it'll be a really interesting conversation with Malcolm and the Eagles moving forward. Now, wise words from Dave Spadar right here. So, Dave, before we let you go, we have one more question. Uh, here on Straight Facts, we like to do a segment called Speaking Facts, and we take a quote from either a sports figure or a pop culture figure, and we basically just ask, like, are they telling the truth? Are they speaking facts? So today we're going to do, we're just going to give you one. We're going to do Speaking Facts, Eagles edition with Dave Spadar. Are you ready? Let me sound ready. Yep. You ready? Okay. Let's do it. Let's do it. So Zach Ertz came out a couple weeks ago, and he said, in quote, in terms of talent, I've never been on a team like this. The talent on this team is second to none. Just speak to the words that, that your tight end has said. Do you agree with Zach Ertz? Is he speaking facts? Uh, he's speaking facts from an offensive standpoint, particularly mm-hmm. at the skill positions, with Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders remaking the backfield. With an offensive line that returns intact, I understand there are questions with the injury to Brandon Brooks and the mm-hmm. age of Jason Peters, but that is a very good offensive line with some young players who can play if needed. From a wide receiver and t- tight end standpoint, probably haven't been around a group as talented as this. So mm. I would say Zach Ertz, ding, ding. He hit it on the money, huh? There he goes. <laughs> All right, Dave, thank you so much for joining us. Once again, you can find Dave and all of his great work at Eagles Insider on Twitter. Dave, thanks for your time. 
guys, thank you so much. Have a great night. And anytime you want to do this, I am I am totally down to do it. All awesome. right. Sounds I hope good. you're ready to. We're going to take you up on that offer, Dave. Thank you so much. Thank you. We appreciate it. Thank you. Yep. My pleasure. Have a good night. All right, guys, we're going to jump right back into the NBA. Here's a fact straight at you. Fred VanVleet, with 22 points, had the most points by a bench guard in a deciding finals game since Jason Terry's 27 in 2011. Or the 2019 Toronto Raptors, the Eastern Conference version of the 2011 Mavericks? Uh, I mean, kind of. I, I never even really thought of it like right. this. But if you if you think about it, you have your one dominant player, mm-hmm. Dirk and Kawhi, and then you have a bunch of other guys who are very good role players, fit a role, and perform better than you expect them to and take down what is a dynasty. I mean, not at that point the Heat weren't a dynasty. But everyone knew where they were headed. But they were headed there. And, yeah. and all brought together by a great coach who you can't, Talk. You can't diminish anything to what Nick Nurse did. You can't take away anything from what Rick Carlisle did in that series. Uh, they they may be this year's version, Eastern Conference version of the 2011 Mavericks. And from the st- same standpoint of no one really thought or gave them much of a chance to win that series against the Warriors. Jewel, Jewel did a little bit. But in, in the grand scheme of things, everyone thought the Heat was going to win that series. Everyone thought the Warriors were going to win this series. And both the inverse happened. They both lost. I, I thought it was going, honestly, back to Toronto. And Toronto was going to win it at home. Um, just Game 6 in general was very stressful down to the very last possession. This game all around was incredible. It was very high level basketball on both ends. You, you really didn't even have to be a fan on either team to be deeply invested in the game. It was no. down to the wire. I was out with a friend up until this, uh, the halftime and I Ubered home and I was you know, ordered myself some food, and I couldn't even eat it. I was on edge. <laughs> I, think what, I think what made this series so much more intriguing is the fact that the Raptors had a command on it most of the mm-hmm. time. I think if the Warriors had a command on it, if the Warriors were up, the ones up 3-1, people wouldn't have been as intrigued by it because it would have been lackluster cookie cutter. This is what is supposed to happen. You exactly. know what I mean? And I, I do feel really bad for Clay Thompson trying to go out there. He's, yeah. He came back and shot nothing those short, but, Nothing short but a champion. You got so much respect right, for me when you try yeah, to do that, something that's like that's the championship DNA. He but, was running on a torn ACL. He was right. running well, Oh, you know what? Wait, can we recognize too how he tears his ACL and then he goes to take free throws and he gets back on defense? Like that's yeah. some shit, man. He like, tried, he well, tried. That's I mean, very... here's the thing: you just can't cut on an ACL. Like it, it's still incredible what he did. I'm not going to take anything away from it, but having torn my ACL twice. It's just, when you're running straight, it's all good. The second you, you take any degree, I can't right. even imagine. That's the, terrible. Oh, it's not very fun. But right. James, so let me ask you this: because you a couple shows ago were complaining that the MVP it's not given out in the right time. Uh, if you were to give it out today, MVP of the season, it's probably Kawhi Leonard. Right. Let me ask you: Is he the best in your opinion? Is he the best player in the NBA now? He's th- no, but he's the MVP of the season. The, the, the best, the best player in the NBA. I still want to say LeBron, but all healthy, the best player in the NBA is probably Kevin Durant, and then you go Kawhi afterwards. But right. So I guess if you're going to ask me right now if he's the best player after all circumstances are done, uh, yes, and I think this, this changes Kawhi's like legacy, playoff legacy, career legacy. It changes, and especially for where he's going to spend agency. Yeah, for the next four or five years of his career, it changes a lot because I really, I even said it last show that probably now Kawhi is going to lean more towards staying. Now I'm definitively saying, like, I don't see a reason that Kawhi leaves or that he should leave. Like, you, you got it done right now. You had a franchise that was willing to go all in on you, and they did, and they brought you a championship DNA to take down one of the best dynasties of all time. Right. And, and this will really be telling on on we talked about 
uh, how now in the NBA players are so focused on where they're playing, not right. really with who, not really how good the team is. If he leaves for L.A., this is stamping a new era in NBA basketball, saying th- th- this is what it's about now, not really winning, which he's proven he can do anywhere. Right. It's about where you want to play. It, it, it has to be because I don't understand, like, at least for next year. And I guess if he's not going to sign a one-year deal, wouldn't make sense to go back to the Raptors considering that they have a bunch of contracts are going to be up next season, like Kyle Lowry's contract and, and other contracts going like that. But um, look, like the, if you if you want to go back out west where now the Lakers are resurging and, and LeBron and the Lakers are kind of cementing themselves at the top of the Western Conference again, um, like now he, he's pro- kind of built himself as the beast, the new beast of the East. People have to go through Kawhi now. You want to talk about the beast of the East. He finished this playoff run with the third most points in any postseason run, only behind MJ and LeBron. You're talking about who's the best player? Like, God bless, man. Then think yeah. about it. Think about it this. If that ended up going back into a game seven, like, let that sink in for a second. He mm. may have beat one of them. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's, that's incredible. And, and the team that he wants to go to out west is the Clippers, a team who is not in a position to do what the Raptors just did next season. Yes, you have a great coach in Doc Rivers. I mean, they are kind of similar. I will say, not going to say they're going to do it, but they are very similar, and you look around at their team. They have a bunch of guys who are good role players, maybe not superstars, mm-hmm. but you add that one superstar, which they have a chance to do now. You know someone who did add a superstar in L.A.? Who's that? Those are the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah, they did. I mean, they, they brought <laughs> oh, in they Anthony that. Davis. They gave up a lot to do it. And, I mean, I, what are your initial takeaways on that trade? My, my first takeaway is the Lakers have now just bumped themselves up, even before it's all said and done, to a top three seed in the Western Conference going into next season. I mean, Vegas has them winning the whole thing already next season. And I told I told every, our, our statistician stat that just shook his head at that. <laughs> but um, I told everybody at the start of this season, wait till LeBron gets his second superstar. Just wait till it happens. He's He'll be back. And LeBron was playing a playoff game that just none of us knew about. He was playing the, pre, the right. free agency game. I mean, without a doubt, that was a Husky trade for sure with the uh, the bulk of who they traded. I like between, a Husky trade. I like how you it, said it that. It was a Husky trade. between. <laughs> it, it, was like, it, it was a bulk trade, essentially, yeah. between Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, the fourth pick in the 2019 draft, and two future first-round picks for Anthony Davis. That sure as hell was a Husky trade. Right. And I'm sure each and every one of those players will be missed dearly. However, I do think it evens out with the accumulation of Anthony Davis coming aboard. LeBron operates on another level, right? Mm-hmm. We talked about this for obvious reasons before. Was and is their best player to date, but... It, It'll be interesting to see how this plays out with the different dynamic that, you know, we'll be seeing in the upcoming season. Right. Let's just break down the the whole details of the trade real quick. The New Orleans Hornets, uh, New Orleans, Hornets. Hornets, 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 New Orleans Pelicans. <laughs> that come from? Sorry. Just, they were the Hornets back in the day. Um, they get Ball, Ingram, and um, Josh Hart. They get the fourth overall pick. They get a 2022 unprotected first-round pick. They get a 2023 unprotected swap. A 2024 unprotected first-round pick and a 2025 unprotected swap. That leaves the Lakers with only five players still under contract, two of them being Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Well, and you know what? I think if you're both sides, if you ask them if they're happy with the deal, I think they both tell you yes. And if you're asking me who won the deal, I would probably... I'm leaning towards the Pelicans. As a true processor, I love accumulating assets, and this is maybe (laughs) one of the best accumulation of assets in a single trade that we've seen in a really long time. When you look at what they have now between Ball, Ingram, Hart, you're going to have Zion and Drew Holiday, like... That might be one of the best defensive teams in the league. Right. And Absolutely. That is just considering their young core. They're going to obviously add more. They may not be done. Depending on when the deal gets done, they could possibly move that fourth overall pick. Or 
there was talks of them moving up to try and get RJ and pairing RJ with Zion. I right. I don't think that's now, going think to the happen. Knicks, the Knicks and RJ are pretty much locked into each other. Yeah. It is it is very guard heavy their team though. They have a lot of guards and then you drop Zion in there. So I think you can either move someone to go try to get a little solid a solid big man, a veteran big man, or you leave it and just operate very small. But I think Zion right now, because if you left that team the way it is, don't get yourself another big man for Zion. Right now he plays the role that Draymond Green. Green kind of plays the role in Golden State, and I think he's just too young to command that type of team in that type of role. Absolutely. Now, by, I'm going to ask both of you guys this. By uh, having Davis and having LeBron, that opens cap space for the Lakers, right? right. To, to me, there's a couple names that ring off in my head right there. Kawhi, Kyrie, Jimmy Butler, or just, I hope not, by the way, um, <laughs> are just some names that come to mind. Ask yourself, what kind of player do you want playing next to these guys if you are the LA Lakers do you want superstars or do you want rotational players it really depends on the approach you want to take what do you guys think you know what I mean so the Lakers you're right they do free up about 23 million in cap space maybe not someone to, maybe not enough to go out and get like a max max player unless that player is worth willing to take a, a, a pay cut but even that's enough to go get yourself a star but yeah. I think you you don't get yourself a star with that one slot left and you now just build around two supers you have two of the top five players in the NBA right now right. honestly no other team has that. No other team is, is able to say that. So you take that and you build around them for what you have right now. Would you rather go sign another star and then now you're le- left signing role players like Patrick McCall? Right, the or, other two starters are Alex Caruso. That's what I'm and, saying. Uh, or or would Moritz you Wagner. or would you rather go sign you know a, a player like a D'Angelo Russell type or a Tobias Harris type <laughs> or something? Like, D'Angelo bring Russell rolling Russell. back into town like. What's up, guys? Oh, now they got a winning team. No, he'd, he'd, bring, he'd, roll, he'd roll back in humbled because he'd roll back in and have to meet the two brick walls that are LeBron James <laughs> and Anthony Davis. He's not rolling back in with any kind of bridges on him. Like, it, But uh, to my point still remains. Like, go, go build your team with actual good role players, not go get another star. Now you're top-heavy, and now when those three come out of the game, you're relying on ancillary players to try to win you this, to, to, yeah, to try to win you games. And, and we've seen, like, look around, and we were just finished talking about two teams that utilize their bench very well, the Warriors and the Raptors, those are the two teams that are in the finals, like, your stars are going to bring you so far, but what will win you the close, close games where the two sides of stars are battling it out is your role players. Right. And, and you're right, like, go ahead and go get yourself a J.J. Redick for a veteran minimum. Like, there are going to be a lot of guys who are going to be willing to take less money to be on this team because, frankly, they are one of the most hyped teams Ever. So, I've ever seen. Right. And I think the Raptors winning the NBA Finals really neutralizes the playing field across the entire NBA. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Like, Clay Thompson, KD, they're, they're both free agents right now. Right. I'm both probably going to, like, if, if those injuries really, I think those injuries might have changed uh, NBA free agency just as much as this Anthony Davis trade did. Right. Because when you see that, I, I really don't think there's a way that Clay leaves now, especially with that injury not coming back. I don't think until, he will either. But I also don't think Kevin Durant leaves. Like I, yeah. I truly think, think he will? I truly think Kevin Durant opts into that $31 million and now he doesn't have to play. You could just collect $31 million from the couch. Do you honestly think there's a team out there that's going to go give Kevin Durant a max deal for a player who's not going to play at all next season? Well, considering the Knicks pretty much penned themselves into giving him a max contract by trading Porzingis, I still think they do, but... I, look, I, I think he's going to leave. I think he's always been bound for New York. I just think that's that's just like Kawhi always... We're going to see if he always wants to be in L.A. despite the success that he's had. Uh, but what I do think is that the injury now opens the door 
for him to take that money, depending on what happens. He can put his feelers out, and I think he has until the 30th or sometime later uh, this month to decide on if he wants to opt in. If he puts his feelers out and the Knicks are like, oh, you're not, you're not getting what you initially thought you were getting, then yeah, maybe he comes back. Okay, so then what's the difference of him getting this money this season or next season? He's, he still won't have played any basketball. I mean, what if he comes back and isn't the same? Or what if he... What, what if, I mean, But, but if a team is going is. to... He, I don't think he but there's going to be no basketball is. in between to judge that. So it'll be just... The team is just... You to, don't think he's going to come back at all? A no, full year, even if they make it to the finals, and they're like, "Hey, KD, not. you're fully healed. It's been 11 months." I think he'll come back early it's, next it's, spring. You well, think? It's it's nine months before you even start doing any physical activity. Nine months of re- eight months of rehab before you even get to physical activity. So all no, I'm, no, I don't think. All so. I'm saying is that I think if you are Kevin Durant, playing or not playing next year, if the Knicks come to you and say, "Look, Kevin, nothing has changed. Here is your max contract for max years." You, we want you to save New York basketball. Why would he then take less money to stay with the because Warriors? Because Kevin when he's not Durant's playing? a cupcake, so he doesn't. <laughs> want, so he doesn't want to put all that pressure on a fruitcake. Give him more credit, please. <laughs> giving him, saying a cupcake is giving him credit. Look, he doesn't want to put all that pressure on himself. Why go? Why it fully healthy? Fully healthy Kevin Durant with two rings on it or three rings on his finger and three Finals MVPs on his finger probably says, "I'm ready to go take on the New York Knicks, the crumbling franchise that is, and the biggest media market in the world, not in the United States, in the world." So that comes with so much scrutiny, so much pressure, so much everything. Look at how Carmelo Anthony's career has kind of been crucified because he couldn't bring a ring to New York. He was trying to save New York. Uh, Also, I just want to say, when it happens, don't be surprised, okay? Remember who told you KD might be going back to OKC? OKC trying to get rid of Steven Adams, uh, Schroeder, the 21st. People were nailing you for that, too. People were nailing you for that. And he may still be... Not possible based on their cap situation. I'm going to admit I'm not a cap wizard, not like Howie Roseman as we were talking with Dave Spadaro, but I think if you can get it done and if he's willing to maybe be a little bit malleable, maybe sign a one-and-one like Kawhi might do, I, I, it's just not out of the realm of possibility. That's all. I will stick to those guns. Is it, re- is it really plausible that either Kawhi or KD signs a one and one with some team. You're looking out you're going out looking for max money. So why why would you why would you Just sign to, to to give you the leverage in your in your future. It's what LeBron did for years with the Cavaliers. He never signed a one and one. Yeah, yeah. One, one and and to opt back in and then he would regardless. I, I think that I I can't see him in anyone other's jersey than the Knicks. I, I don't know. I mean that's been the talk of the town for uh, a month or so now, right? What I, what I can what I can see happening is Kevin Durant opting back into his contract with the Warriors. And since the Knicks have been proclaiming to their fan base and to the world that they are going out to get two max deals, which the two players who they went out and targeted for had both parted ways and gone to other teams, then I can see the Knicks doing the most Nick thing possible <laughs> and going and spending that max dollars on Tobias Harris and Harrison Barnes. That, yeah. like, that, that is That's a the Knicks. Time that is it's a not Knicks. even a Knicks thing. It's a New York thing. That is thing. a New York, York thing. It's a New York sports thing. Just day. hit the try. Hit, hit, hit the dynamic duo. Draft Daniel Jones and then sign Tobias oh, Harris. And God, uh, just hit the trifecta right there. Yes, he does. He really does. But <laughs> the Anthony Davis trade is not the only blockbuster trade to happen in the past five days in basketball. In fact, something that just happened today is Mike Conley going to the Utah Jazz shook up the NBA landscape again. He was traded for Grayson Allen, Kyle Corver, Jay Crowder, and a 23rd pick and a future first-round pick. Now who won that deal? Well, 
I, I guess Utah, but in the same sense, I think Memphis gets exactly what they're looking for. And mm-hmm. they bring in uh, uh, some assets. I think Corver and Crowder probably won't make it to the roster. We'll see what they want to do if they want some vets around. But they're probably going to draft John Morant, who plays the same position as Mike Conley. Right. And when you look at Utah now, you have a definite upgrade from Ricky Rubio to yeah. pair with Donovan Mitchell, where if you look at Mitchell, where he flounders is where he has to bear the brunt of the load facilitate i don't even think he's necessarily a bad facilitator it's just now you have yeah right now that you have conley it takes that load off him he's an experienced player so that when you're going through and this makes them a very real contender in the west especially with the injuries to golden state and i know we talked about la but that's still uncertain how that's all going to shake out utah is coming back with a very strong core i mean It's yet to be seen what Gobert does in terms of if he gets a contract. He's up for a Mega Max, which I kind of scoff at if I'm Utah, but we'll see what happens. I I think that it's a good deal for Utah. Connolly, I think, is a unique person, too. I I love when people give back. You guys know I'm really involved with the MS Society, my family and I. Um, Off the court, uh, via the Salt Lake uh, Tribune, I'll give them credit here. Connolly's been recognized as one of the NBA's most consistent contributors to his community. I love that. He's donated millions to Memphis charities, including $1.2 million to the Grizzlies Foundation and another 500 k to sickle cell research. I think that's awesome. He's Look, he's he's one of the, the, the best players in the NBA on and off the court. Sure. Um, the last RIP to that grit and grind era for the Memphis Grizzlies, the oh, last man. player on that. Isn't that crazy? That is pretty crazy. That's what yeah. the Memphis Grizzlies have built their franchise on and it's gonna it's gonna take a turn now it's gonna flip it on its head from grip and grind to high flying let's get yeah. out and run led and, by john morant yeah and john morant you have jaron jackson jr the 23rd pick as well they just picked up like they they're turning into one of the more exciting young teams and and like you said like the anti-process the anti-tanking grit and grind we're mm-hmm. going to develop we're going to stay the seven eight seed and we're just going to be a nuisance in the first well, round matt stat matt may be able to answer do the grizzlies still have chandler parsons is, is he still the, a thing? They have the contract that they're just waiting <laughs> they're, just, they're just sitting they the on the contract to Chandler Parsons. He, he just doesn't play. What does he do? What does he, the, the, can we find out what Chandler Class Parsons does? Yeah, he really does. You know, remember what we used to say Sam Bradford has finessed the NFL more than any other player? Chandler Parsons has finessed the NBA better than anybody else. But go ben, going back to what Mike Conley does on the court, um, people have to remember, people were kind of saying that you know they might think Mike Conley's a little old to go with the Utah Jazz. He's only a year older than Russell Westbrook. Right, that's crazy. Like it, it's, he, When I heard that, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Um, and he's a perennial like 20 and 10 guy. Um, me and Jake have a friend who, who, who harps on Mike Conley great and even asks us, like, is Mike Conley a Hall of Famer? And we scoffed at it at first, right? We were like, no, he's not a Hall of Famer. Check tape. Like, like, he has Mike, time left too. like, he's got a little bit of time left. I mean, he does something serious, you know, wins a defensive player of the year, um, takes his team deep into the playoffs. Like, he may, he may be the best player to never make an all star team. Yeah. That's what I might go on camera saying. He yeah. uh, is, is for him to never make an all star team. And obviously, he plays one of the most stacked positions out there at point guard. Uh, speaking of point guards, and oh, how sweet it is. <laughs> Let me tell you, this is some of the best news that I've heard in a while, is that Kyrie Irving has ghosted the Boston Celtics. And that makes me happy. Very happy. <laughs> he's, a Al weird guy. he's a weird guy. Oh, he's real weird. He's Al he's Horford, who I thought would be, I, he opted out, and I thought he was opting out to give them a better deal. No. It then came out that he's not looking for a deal with the Celtics. He wants a four-year deal Spiraling. somewhere else. 
Uh, the Celtics are coming apart at the seams, guys. Where did it go? Where did it go wrong? Love to see it. Where did it go wrong? Well, I mean, step one might be giving thirty-one million to uh, to Gordon Hayward. That could be step one. No, look, and here's the thing. No, I'm not gonna say that was a mistake because at the time Gordon Hayward was right, an you know, all-star, was and, but... and he was coming off the best season of his career. So, yeah. and he just beat the Clippers in seven games. Like I think giving Gordon Hayward that contract wasn't bad. Hindsight's twenty twenty. The man snapped his ankle four minutes into playing with the Celtics and hasn't been the same since. Yeah. Yeah, you know I, I, mean? I mean, I do feel bad about that, but Kyrie hasn't really been helpful. Kyrie has proven to I, be nothing but uh, I think a malignant. I think where it went wrong was when Kyrie got hurt, them having so much success in the postseason yeah. without him. That Absolutely. Is, that is what hurt Kyrie's ego. It's what hurt all the fans at Boston. Because we know the fans in Boston. Right, well, we, we know, know the fans in Boston are not are not any polite people. No. So they saw them having all the success without Kyrie, and Kyrie probably heard the chirps. But we have him for what we need. We had this great contract, just, and we and we went to the Eastern Conference Finals without him, and nearly beat LeBron. And you know what? I think that this is something that we could have seen coming. Uh, Kyrie wanted his way out of probably one of the best situations in the league, being LeBron's uh, star in waiting. He took you under his wing. Now he finally gets what he wants. He wants to be the veteran lead- leader on a playoff and contender. And has, has to call LeBron and say, I'm sorry. Right, and and where does that leave him? It leaves him calling LeBron saying, wow, this is really hard. How did you do that? Uh, and as for his impact and Horford's impact on that team, they're responsible for 31.5% of Boston's total win shares. Two extremely important players. And when you look at matchups, Al Horford was really one of the only players that can contain Joel Embiid that I've seen in the league. Yeah. And I watch a lot of on Joel Embiid On a consistent basis. On a consistent basis. Right, consistently. And in the playoffs, Al Horford, this year specifically, was super important. He had a plus 19.4 on-off split per 100 possessions. They're 19 points better with him on the floor than off the floor offense, defense. He's just a leader out there on the court, and it's going to hurt them if he leaves. I I definitely think Al Horford leaving hurts more than Kyrie leaving. Right. Yeah, 100%. They've seen that they've shown success without Kyrie Irving. They haven't shown success without Al Horford. Honestly, I think the Celtics both need to, I guess, prepare for the probable scenario that probably will happen. Yeah, yeah, that they're leaving. Plan accordingly. And, I mean, they're not the only... I mean, I haven't seen this many opt-outs this early into free agency in a while. Big players. Opt-outs that kind of don't make sense. Harrison Barnes opting out of his... 25. $25 million situation right, with the on, Kings. Harrison. Chris Middleton opting out of his $30 million situation with the Bucks. He plans on re-signing. He, he said that he's going to command um, a 4-5 or five max deal from the Bucks, which honestly I think he deserves. Like He's going to look at them Second and say, best player, yeah. hey, when Giannis scores 15 points, how do you think we win all these games? <laughs> when he can't shoot a jump shot, who are you turning to? Who are you turning to? You know what I mean? Um, Jonas Valanciunas opting out of his. Julius Randle, which is interesting, which we didn't talk about with the Pelicans, opting out of his. People are saying like he's I played with these guys before I'm out like I'm not I've seen right. this show before I'm I've not gonna I'm about to be here when this when this uh bridge goes down but of these players right now Harrison Barnes Jimmy Butler Chris Middleton Julius Randle Jonas Valanciunas between the both of you and I'll answer two who's the most surprising opt-out who 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 surprised you most by turning down millions and millions of dollars to test the waters in free agency uh, I mean including the last two I would say I'm most surprised at Horford Okay. Um, I think that Al Horford, there was no signs of him being unhappy. There's no signs of um, him trying to test the waters in free agency. Like I said, I think the expectation when he opted out was that he was opting out to give them a team-friendly deal so right. that they could go out and sign someone, maybe sign probably not Kyrie back, but someone else of that caliber. For me, it, it came as a bit of a surprise. I mean, maybe like Al Horford is the biggest surprise because of why he opted out. 
Like, he didn't opt out so that he could restructure a whole deal to make the cap room work for the Celtics maybe to go out to get someone or just to get himself a better deal. He opted out with saying, I want a four-year contract for somebody. Well, Al... I'm, I'm not sure if you're going to get a good four-year well, contract. I, I, I could somebody. see him going back to his old team. Atlanta to, Hawks to could Hawks. use a center. But with their youth movement right now, you want to go and get old Al, Al Warford? What does he do for them? They like, might be ready. They have the 8 and 10 pick. You go ahead and move that for a player or a, or a young player. For and the bottom it. of the Eastern Conference, yeah. Right. I, I mean, they could definitely make a playoff push. Trey Young's been awesome. I would love to see Al Warford, kind of like he did with the Celtics, bring these young guys along. I'm, I guess I'm most surprised at Harrison Barnes because... Like, how many max deals do you think you're going to get, Harrison Barnes? You already <laughs> right. got one. You like, tricked us once. Yeah, like, lightning doesn't strike twice in the same spot. So, like, I, I don't see – what I do see, Harrison Barnes, what I can see happening is Andre Godal is getting old over there in Golden State, right? They have a lot of injuries and a lot of turmoil, and they want to get back to their identity when they were on top of the NBA winning 73 games. Who was at the epicenter, one of the epicenters of that 73-9 and team? Mr. Harrison Barnes. And you can go put him right in the role that Iguodala is going to come out of when he retires and when he moves on. You put Harrison Barnes right in that 3 and D, come off the bench, you know, go guard go guard the, the other player's best wing, give us good spot minutes on the floor, put us in the 3 or the 4 position when you go to the death lineup and the Hamptons lineup. I mean, they already know what Harrison Barnes brings to the table. Harrison Barnes already knows what it's like to play with the Warriors. I can see that, but he's not going to go get a max deal from them. Sure, and I mean, just back to your question, you, yeah. you were asking between the opt-outs. Uh, it's not surprising to anybody. Jimmy Butler's on that list, uh, mm-hmm. especially becoming that unrestricted free agency uh, this offseason, according to Chris Haynes of Yahoo. You know, this decision is really not surprising to anybody. The no. man likes to win. He's with a bunch of young bucks. He, you know, with the, all the nonsense that went on in Philadelphia this year, I have, you know, I love my Sixers so much. But it, come on, what do you expect? The man the man wants to win. What it's surprising is who... The man wants a max contract. The man wants a max <laughs> He wants contract. maturity is what right. he wants. Well, and, and, right. And that's, and I think... To me, the surprising part about Jimmy Butler opting out of his contract is the teams that the two teams that have targeted him so far, the two reports that have come out of the two teams that he's going to, the Lakers and the Rockets. The Rockets, like what? That doesn't make sense. Monopoly money. Do you find some in your pocket, Daryl? You still got to get rid of Chris Paul's contract, which is one of the worst in the league. Sorry, James, but. I mean, what are they going to do? Uh, They're going to give him monopoly point. money. Here, we're going to give you this monopoly money for the first three years until the Chris Paul uh, deal comes off the books. Right, there's so much would have to, to leave. I mean, they're already shopping Clint Capella, so, but so yeah. much would have to Well, as right, much as true. I love Jimmy Butler, I can see him in a bigger market, like in L.A. Yeah. I, guess. I can LA, see his mentality. I, I am worried about L.A. As a Sixers fan, I, I will say... The only team I'm worried about is LA. I don't. If he goes to New York, jokes on you, buddy. I don't know if you've been watching New York Knicks basketball. He's not taking a pay cut. So if the Sixers offer him a max deal, I don't think he's taking the lottery to go to New York. I don't think there's really much that like. There's, why would you want to go to New York right now? Right, unless you're Kevin Durant. Well, that's just where it comes down to the front office working their magic in Philadelphia and yep. doing everything they can to keep Butler on the squad. What are the chances the Sixers run it back with both Tobias and Jimmy Butler? Uh, what are the realistic chances of that happening? I don't know. If Tobias comes back on a team, not like even team-friendly, but like where he's getting paid a decent amount, maybe not the most he could get, so that the Sixers can spend that money because the problem wasn't really the stars. I mean, Tobias didn't show up, but they also had no bench depth. When Embiid was out, they had no one to play behind and you, him. And they if had you no run guards. it back, then you bring back that same problem. Well, that's what I'm saying, is that to run it back, you would probably have to come back cheaper. 
uh, and you spend money elsewhere. The Sixers do have those three second round picks. Maybe you try to fill out the bench Zyra using Smith. and Zaire Smith coming right, back. coming back. Hopefully, I'm gonna air Stat Matt out. Stat Matt did say off camera before we started that he did he does think the Sixers are gonna run it back, and I'm not gonna give him a chance to get a mic and defend that. I'm just gonna <laughs> put his point out there um, like that. But I mean, they do run it back, and you run into that same problem of of not having a uh, not having a bench, and then when Joel Embiid eats too many cheeseburgers next playoff and can't run. You had to throw that one in, huh? Okay, yeah, so we're doing, you're shot. doing the Rockets thing, yeah, so I had to throw in that. Throw in that. Uh, we're going to wrap it up with the NBA talk um, <laughs> here and now with the, the, the cheeseburger. That was a great way to, 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 to end <laughs> this 30-minute uh, conversation. You know, my cheeseburgers. Right. Uh, we're going to head it down, down to the countdown, fellas, our right. lovely segment. We're going to hit it with number five. Number five. All right, as in five to one, the odds that the Saints and Rams have right now to win the NFC, if you had to choose one of those, who are you taking? I'm, I'm going to have to—I don't want to because of, <laughs> of Jared Goofy over there. But <laughs> uh, I'm going to take the Rams just because of how the Saints showed up in the playoffs. Yeah. Two really, very, very lackluster games. Um, one of them, which they might not have won if Alshon Jeffrey doesn't drop the ball. So I'm going to go with the Rams, whose defense did get a little better with adding Clay Matthews. Yep. Number four. Number four, the number of home runs the Nationals hit back-to-back in their last game. Well, anytime you see four balls leave the yard in a row like that, back-to-back-to-back, you really got to reevaluate what you're doing on the mound. Um, and look, the Nationals sit right now either third or fourth in the NL East, but the one thing that is not ever lacking for the Nationals is their bats. Yeah, Washington baseball sucks, though. Let me just say that. And that's not even <laughs> as a Philly fan. You, they, could be, they could have the best team on earth, and there would be like 30 people in the they stands. They did it. They were, they were number one <laughs> they in the National League. Bryce, Bryce Harper's MVP or number one in the National League going to the first playoff game, and you would have thought it was a random game in July. And they're shocked that he left. Like, come on. That's ridiculous. Guy. Shocker. Number three. A number of Duke players projected to go in the top 10. That is Zion, RJ, and Cam Reddish. Uh, I my, my bold prediction is that uh, Cam Reddish actually slides outside the top 10. Uh, he has a lot of holes in his game. I think that he can become a good player, but right now I just don't I don't see it. Uh, I think opposite. I think a team is going to bite at him at 4, 5, 6 Ooh. era. area. I, you know what? I could see, either I, way, I could see it happening. I could see both. This draft is all over the place. Mm-hmm. Number two. Number two, the number of bases Matt Carpenter got on a bunt yesterday. Mm-hmm. It's Tuesday, 618. I don't know if you guys see this. More plays to do is he hit against the shift. So he's a left-handed batter. The shift was on to his right. And he bunted to the left side with literally no but the pitcher had to go almost to the outfield grass to get it. And by, almost got to the outfield. And yeah. by and by the time he did it, Matt Carpenter is standing on second base. I just don't understand why. I, yeah. Like players are too big for their egos. Like people think that like Bryce Carper or Manny Machado, people like that can't lay down a bunt. Look, you want to beat a shift, lay down a bunt. That's yeah, what Ryan, that's a baseball right if there. If Ryan Howard or David Ortiz learned how to bunt down the third baseline, Ryan like, Howard's career would have added be, four or five more years. <laughs> they would have been batting 330. Like, it's unreal. Uh, I don't get it. Paralleling with basketball, bringing it back to the box and one. Go back to the basics. Come on, man. Back to it's the basics, happens. man. It's okay. It's, it's okay. It's all to good. Do it. it's all wins good. games. Number one. Number of players to win a finals MVP in both conferences. Mr. Kawhi Leonard. Who won't even be MVP. Ain't that a damn shame. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah. James, we might have to get your soapbox to go and uh, I'm, petition I'm taking, to the NBA. I'm taking a 30-second timeout at the buzzer. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, there you have it. And speaking about the buzzer, that's all the time we have for this episode. So we're going to go at the buzzer right now. Julie, have anything to say at the buzzer? I do. So everybody knows how much I love my Sea Isle City. You I literally take, love it. I, I love Sea Isle. I grew up a Wildwood girl going down. And now that I, I've been 21, now I'm 26 and mm-hmm. a half in a couple months, you know. 
Who's um, I hit Seattle more frequently and Avalon here and there. Um, I stay at one of my good friends' houses when I go down there. Her name's Becky Fender. I love the Fender family. I did something uh, very in character for Jewel this weekend. Oh, I, I, I very very Jewel moment. I you know I woke up on uh, Sunday very hungover and you know we made breakfast, did, did the damn thing, you know, like the normal Sunday fun day routine. Right, right, right. Um, all hang out in the kitchen, talk about our sins from the night. Self-love Sunday. Talk about our self-love, self-love Sundays Sunday. from the there night before. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, my food wasn't go- going down correctly. I'm going to make this very quick. Oh, boy. Um, I threw up. Okay, it was what it was. Uh, Getting past it. Okay. Um, for some reason, uh, toilet wasn't flushing. I said, I, I told everybody, I said, hey, listen, um, something's wrong with the toilet. Don't touch it. I'm very scared for it. Uh, coaching TMI territory. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, just what you think it is. Uh, shout out to Mike Fender for pulling the trigger. And um, let's just say we are now on a new level basis, me and the Fender family. Mm. Uh, it was just about as fun as it sounds. Mm, um, mm. I also want to just say, because we haven't addressed it yet, Happy Father's Day. We oh, didn't say yeah. Happy yeah. Father's Day last week. And I do want to give a sincere shout out to Murph Fender for um, bringing that to you on uh, Father's Day. And uh, oh, to nice. all the fathers out there, on such a real note, that was such a jewel moment, but on such a real note, uh, happy belated Father's Day to all mm-hmm. the fathers. And um, shout out to the Fender family. I know right. I'll be invited yeah, back out. very, very soon. <laughs> if anyone, If anyone's listening, you can just block out the first like five minutes of that <laughs> at the buzzer and focus on, focus on the father. The that wraps up one. my personality in like about 30 seconds. Jake, yeah. anything to say at the buzzer? Uh, I'm really tired of like the summer weather. You never know what you're going to get. I got absolutely poured on heading into work. Uh, I come out and it was the sunniest day of all yeah. time and I'm sweating. That's Pennsylvania weather for you. I don't know. I guess I like... Com- yeah, I complain about a lot of things I can't control. But that's one thing that kind of... Sticks, like, what do you sticks in my car. When, when it comes January and it's 10 degrees outside, it'll be saying the same thing. I can't stand <laughs> winter weather. So, like, you gotta pick Book one. it. January episode. Right. Book it. Uh, my at the buzzer right now has to do with the NBA awards because it is now June 19th. The NBA MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Sixth Man of the Year, Coach of the Year, all the NBA awards will not be announced for another two weeks. Did anybody even remember that we don't know who the NBA MVP is? That like that that completely escaped everybody's mind. The free agency's already started. Not only do people like not right. even almost care anymore, but the MVP has changed. If I asked you right now who the MVP of the league is, who would you who would you, you say? About it. You said Kawhi, Kawhi right. Leonard, right? Right. He's not even a finalist. He's not even one of the three options. It's odd it to really win odd MVP. The three options to win MVP didn't even make it out of their conference finals. Two of the three, sixty-six percent of the finalists, didn't even make it to the conference finals. Lost in the first and second round. So, like, if if if. Well, here's what I'm going to say to the NBA. And uh, Adam Silver, I really hope you're listening because I'm going to drop some knowledge on you right now. <laughs> if we're going to wait this long to do the awards, which the NBA is going to do, because now they have a whole hour-long awards ceremony, they can put it on TNT and make a whole bunch of money from it. If we're going to wait this long to give us the MVP, then you have to factor in playoffs. Because what you should do is you just factor in all the basketball that's been played up until this point. 
And all the basketball that's been played up until this point is regular season and playoffs. If you want it to be a regular season award, which I am fine with, if you want it to be a regular season award, go back to when they announced it at the end of the regular season. Yeah, I agree. If, if that's the award that you won, win it at the end of the regular season. You can do it in the home player stadium so all their crowd, they can feel the warmth and love of their actual fans, not the cheering and clapping of 20,000 random rich people who can just afford to buy a ticket to this the NBA award awards. Yeah. Come on now. like That's, that's how you should do it. So the NBA has gotten this all wrong and they've really diluted this award and Giannis probably in two weeks is going to go up and accept an award that he doesn't want anymore because he got knocked out of the playoffs by who? The real MVP. By the real MVP. That's, yeah, I'm that's why I have the buzzer. See it on, on your perspective. You know what I mean? I, yeah. don't, I, I just hate it. I don't like it. But that is all the time we have for this episode of Straight Facts. What a great episode it was. Thank you again for Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro for dropping by and dropping some Eagles knowledge on us. We look forward to talking to you again. Big Big ups to Greg Barron, Kyle Sobieski, and Stat Matt Robinson behind the camera. For my partner, Joel Schmitz. It's been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun. For my main man's Jake Galley, I'm James Jackson, and these have been the facts. Straight up.